We're going to do a live podcast right now to start things off. Uh, it's a podcast called Shots Fired. It features Jeff Weiss, amazing journalist, and No Can Do, we love Fire Club. No Can Do. And our special guest today, our Open Mic Eagle. Hello. Dan Funk. Yeah. So I'm not going to talk too much. I appreciate you all coming. There's issues of uh, green room around. Uh, you see these little like tinker buckets at the front. Um, this is a. Uh, uh, it was all suggested donation because this is our first event as a nonprofit magazine. Uh, so we're still figuring that out. We're figuring out what that means, uh, putting on events, and so basically those buckets are set up. It's a. Uh, uh, it, it gives you the power of the dollar that you're spending and how you want to spend it investing in green room. So whether that be through events, whether that be through print, whether that be through online, video, digital stuff, whatever it is, we appreciate it. And we also just appreciate you being here. So I will shut up now. Thank you very much for coming. And after the podcast will be Stephen Ponce will be DJing. So stick around for that. Thank you. Peace. One, 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 one. Hello, how you guys doing? Are we recording this right now? Somebody hit the button. Yeah, I think so. Tight, You want to check? Should we check? We've never really done this live. Like, usually we've been in the studio, we have like 12 takes of this shit. <laughs> we'll be like, hi, my name is James. I mean, my name is Nogan. I mean... <laughs> so, this is Shots Fired. I'm a rapper named James McCall, and he is... A writer named Jeff Weiss. And uh, we're here, like he said, with Open Mike Eagle, Dang Funk, and motherfucking POS. Wow. A lot of, lot of talent, a lot of talent on this stage. Yeah. So, what do you want to talk about? What did you say? Yeah, what's the podcast about, dude? It's about hip hop and furious beer. It's a surly beer. Um, so we're in Minnesota, obviously, uh, which is, you know, important for us. And, uh, we, but Dame is one of the funkiest men on the planet Earth. Yeah. Too Thank embarrassing you. publicly, but uh, also home to... I, I thought that'd be a print statue at the airport. I was disappointed. I thought the whole airport would be draped in velvet. Not true. I did see uh, a purple limousine drive past me on the fruit when I was like 15 months. Like, was that Prince? I, mean, I don't know who else it could have been. <laughs> <laughs> it could have been a very successful pimp. Yeah. I mean, that's Prince for Morris Day. <laughs> I will defend Morris Day to the end of time. I'm a big Morris Day fan as well. But um, I thought we could maybe start talking about, you know, we were talking earlier about the impact of kind of Prince on your career and like kind of Minneapolis is an unlikely cradle of love. Kind of your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, uh, the cradle of funk, yeah, the Midwest, you know, a lot of the funk came from the Midwest, some of the funk that I'm influenced by. Uh, Prince and Minneapolis is synonymous to, you know, that whole era that I really dug. Of course, there's earlier eras of funk, you know what I mean? But uh, I just like the period that came to the mid-70s and the late 80s. and then now we're just taking it to the future. But again, being in Minneapolis is cool um, because the Prince has been one of the major influences on my music, and it's just a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah I was watching an interview uh, with Miles Davis on the Arsenio Hall show on YouTube, which is amazing.
Yeah, was it the old Arsenio Hall show? It was, had to be. <laughs> Is there any other Arsenio Hall show? Because that new shit. It's, can, it's canceled. It's canceled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's already gone. Yeah, yeah. it was an age of empire and it got weird. But so Miles was on it, and he was talking about how Prince was a genius, and he was saying he was Marvel because every day he would be a different. Like there would be four princes. He would just wake up and it was whatever Prince like it would be. Explain what the fuck that means. I'm not a musician. I was hoping he would. Okay, one of you explain what that can mean. I mean, we always take. I mean, I was actually talking about this today because we listened to uh, a new Prince song. Uh, he just put out like like a 12 minute funk jam song that kind of has like kind of the vibe of his old stuff but it's also it's kind of by, by new do you mean like sorry. like, like the weekend or some shit or you it sounds like prince trying to make an old prince song so he's singing high and stuff like that and it's like it's got like the keyboard stabs and it sounds right yeah. but it, it kind of sounds like somebody who sounds a lot like prince trying to sound like prince it's whatever but but this is this is a guy that back in the day could wake up in the morning, play a drum track for seven minutes, and then think about it, and then come back and play the guitar and sing a perfect you know yeah. album yeah. over and over and over again. I I feel like speaking of Prince, I feel like you know like in modern like sweet talk lady music, there's always a reference where somebody said pull your panties to the side. And I don't, I don't ever remember Prince like saying pull your panties to the side. Did that ever happen? Nobody so. ever had panties to begin with. <laughs> they didn't have panties, or they had patience or some shit. Like you don't even have to pull your panties; you can take them off. Yeah. Um, Definitely a different way in, in, of, of delivery that they had back then. You know what I mean? As opposed to now, it's like just so upfront. You know, and uh, the upfront stuff is fun sometimes. But I love uh, artists like Prince because he was able to like you know. Hide some of the upfront shit, you know, to make it cool to kind of discover, like, oh, you know, that's what he was saying, like that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I listen to it as a kid and not like the red flags wouldn't hit you, you know? For example, like DMSR, I was just listening to the other day, it was like, these ain't got no gun, you don't have to run. And it's like, that kind of shit was like, it went over people's head, you know what I mean? And that song was like very heavy. Not heavy, but you know what I mean, just upfront stuff that, you know, was surprising that that was, you know, said, you know, back then, nobody said anything about it. You can disguise it in yeah. all of the funk. Yep, there you go. Yep. Yeah. What's interesting is I interviewed, like, Lil Wayne, like, a month ago, a month and a half ago, and he was saying how Prince was, by far, his biggest inspiration. Is that right? Yeah, well, he said that when he figured out how to, like, change his voice and all kinds of things, like, coo like a baby. Like, it, <laughs> did, he, did he say, he's like, a fucking baby. Did he say that? It's really weird when you're like, let's say, you're like, little saying, that's the way I do like, like a baby. He's like, 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 I cool like my daddy. Then he paused, and it was like this awkward silence. And I was like, okay, little way. That's weird. Yeah, there were like five women massaging him all at once. One of them I think was Christina Milian, but I'm not sure. Um, every time I think, every time I think about, you said Selena Gomez. I said that's the way it goes. That's the way it goes. <laughs> but Selena Gomez, she's a nice one too. Hey, I got I got daughters, man. So like, like, and I, I was like, you know, I, I have I have an 11 year old daughter, right? So for 11, nine years. I like I low key as a young man have watched these girls grow up and get slutty, 
And like, you know, not my daughters, not the girl that Nickelodeon is doing. Like, they, they don't know we got some that shit. Yeah, we gotta, see, that's why we edit this shit. We don't do it live. Did you see Spring Breakers? Yeah, I saw Spring Breakers. What were your thoughts on Spring Breakers? Um, you know, I, every, every, every time like Gucci Mane showed up, I thought that was really cool that he was, he was acting really good. What did Gucci Mane He was asleep. Yeah, exactly. In fact, yeah, he fell asleep. He fell asleep during the sex scene. Yeah. Gucci Mane had a sex scene? Definitely not watching that movie. Hey, bro, it was like, I don't remember it like, like exactly, but I feel like it was lit to just make me feel gross. I Waka Flock had to take over. Ooh, Waka Flocka has a low sperm count. How do you know that? Because that shit's on Love and Hip Hop, right? Damn. And how do you... They put motherfuckers sperm count on TV now? Is that a crawl? Rappers and their sperm counts? Is that a new crawl in the bottom? I don't know, bro, but like, how do you like... Like, you know, as a man, like, okay, dude, I'm gonna go to, like, you know, the sperm doctor with my wife on the TV show. And oh, then he went on the show? He went on the show, but they're trying to have a baby, like, you know, that's just TV, weird. Man. Everybody will just do whatever for TV. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't <laughs> <laughs> There's some doctors I wouldn't go to on TV, though. That's just weird. Hey, what doctors would you go to on TV? <laughs> the, uh, shit. The fuck, I can't, none. What doctors, none. What doctors <laughs> would you go to? Optometrist. No. Yes, is that a, yeah. no. The optometrist? Is he a doctor? Yeah, the optometrist is a doctor. Oh, the dentist? I go to the dentist. <laughs> nah, bro. Why not? <laughs> because they put you to sleep. You I don't know what the fuck they tape while you sleep. So you can't watch it on either point. All right. No doctors when you sleep. No doctors. On TV, anyway. Yeah. All right. All right. Next subject. All right. <laughs> Covered. So, growing up in Minneapolis, obviously, you're from here originally, yes? I am, yeah. Yeah. Minneapolis or St. Paul? Minneapolis. Okay. I went to St. Paul for the first time a few years ago. <laughs> what? 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 I, I, I ended up living there for three years, and every morning I would wake up and drive to Minneapolis and spend my entire day in Minneapolis. Are you serious about the, like, not going there until, like, way later? No, I, I went there a couple of times. I, like, went to find, like, state spots or, like, meet up with girls or something, but I never felt comfortable there. It's always in the summer, it's, like, four or five degrees hotter. In the winter, the winter it's always like really 10, weird. 12 degrees colder. Yeah? Yeah, man. What? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm like mystified. Yeah, I didn't know there was a difference. Until I come here and I'm like, oh. No, it's like. And everyone's like, whoa, St. Like, Paul. No, it's like Shelbyville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, 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 it's pretty cool. It's nice. The older I get, the more I like it, which makes sense when I didn't go there until I was older. Yeah, I'm retired in St. Paul. Is there not a person from St. Paul here? Like nobody? Okay, I just want to make sure. All right, you guys, okay. you guys, you guys all agree with You guys agree with me that it's just not as fun there, right? It's dead. It closes at five o'clock. But the, the neighborhoods are tighter. If you like spend time in a neighborhood, you won't. You'll you have to. You can't be on a main street and find a corner store. You gotta like dig into the neighborhoods and you'll find like bars and shit to do. It's really weird. But yeah, you know. Old people. I got a Saint, I got a Saint Paul story. Tell it. Yeah, man. So look, it's 2007. <laughs> it's Halloween, right? We're on this tour, the most, the worst tour ever. <laughs> the worst. It was like every show. I was like, oh, and this is before like I had like, I didn't have a cell phone at the time, so I had no one to call and complain to, like. 
like, I was like, yeah, every morning I just wake up on some random person's couch, like, what is my life? You know? But so, we made it all the way from Los Angeles all the way here, city to city. I think it took like two weeks. I really hope no one that's in the stories in this room right now. But uh, basically, we played this show. We're rapping for each other, a few people. Uh, I finished my set nice and prompt, and uh, my buddy, he went on, and uh, these two random girls walk in, right? One, like, you know, pretty, like, Ethiopian girl, and this one, like, uh, she, she was, like, a, basically, like, suicide girl looking white chick, you know? Which was, like, my flavor of the month at the time. And, uh, you know, she was a nice one, right? And whatever, my friend's fucking performing the show, there's nobody in this place. And so the Ethiopian girl like does a cartwheel into the splits and like does like some crazy dance and, and then the other girl kind of drags me out to another bar and uh, we go to the other bar. Okay, I don't want to finish the story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> 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 Not in my seat, man. <laughs> it's riveting. Oh, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, I just found out how weird people can get. That's all. <laughs> in St. Paul. That's weird. It, it was in St. Paul. I'm not finishing that story. So call next. If if you play a uh, cribbage and you got nothing in your hand, people call that St. Paul. Really? <laughs> if you're from here, yeah. <laughs> hey, what the fuck is cribbage though? It's a Minnesota game. Oh, okay. It's, it's, uh, I thought I'd ask. Yeah, it's playing cribbage. It's like a wooden board with a bunch of plastic pegs and holes, and then you play a card game and. You, is there a crib involved at all? Oh, white people. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. Is it a very competitive game? Fisherman. <laughs> Are there fishing? I don't know. Just... I'm just saying people who might play cribbage. Oh, gotcha. I see. I, I imagine some old white people around this thing, right? What thing? What is this thing? This cribbage, the cribbage table. It's not a crib. It's not a crib. Let's say, like, you know, like, I was playing dominoes with my homie Marcel, right? And I win, I'm like, ah! Over, like you do that in cribbage. Do you just like when you win, you slam the, the peg down? Yeah, mostly. Are they are they bad winners in cribbage? Yeah, you play cribbage on a pool table, and you get bowling pins, and you set them up. <laughs> oh, is that that thing with the pegs and shit and the things? You got to just go along with it, right? Shit. Is it on PlayStation Four? <laughs> no. What's your cribbage handle, G? <laughs> yeah. Um, you guys are in Minnesota to do a podcast, right? That's good. That shit is weird, bro. I can't believe anybody's had a lot of podcasts. I'm the only thing that's When I got this email, I thought it was a setup. It wasn't. It turned out. It sets you up to do a podcast in front of people. Which is kind of scary. <laughs> it's better than the last podcast I did, which was I, I went to this dude's house in Canada. We went up. He went to Canada. He met me on the corner of his block and walked. What? In. Yeah, seriously. And we walked and we walked into his back door and we sat face to face at a little square table with a laptop and two microphones. And it was horrifying. That, that almost was a kidnap situation. I know, I know. That's the weirdest thing about being a rapper, especially like an underground rapper where in some places you can stay in nice hotels and have people at your shows, 
but in some places you're in Texas and you gotta stay on some stranger's <laughs> in couch. In some places you're in Texas. <laughs> you gotta stay on you gotta stay on some stranger's couch and get their fucking cat hair all over you. And like, yes! Yeah. And like Do you remember this mic? This is I, last week this should have the video. Pretty regular occurrence. Pro rapping, man. Pro rapping is full of cat hair and fucking bed springs that poke you in the ass. Yeah, which could be like cool, I guess. <laughs> Pause. That, you know, that reminds me of one time I drank weed soda. I don't know. This is kind of a. It's, it's very off topic. But you got me into telling stories now, and I'm actually going to fucking finish mine. Alright? Alright? But see, I can't tell you the rest of the other stories. Then you shouldn't have told the first part. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Alright, cool. Go, go, go ahead. Go anyway, ahead. I was in Denver. This is way before weed was legal, and they had weed soda there for some reason I don't fucking understand. Um, I drank about a third of a bottle of weed soda. Terribly, stupidly, it was dumb. Um, I'm very allergic to pets, and the yeah. first thing that happened was that uh, when I woke up the next morning, I had, I was actually lying on the dog's bed. <laughs> on the dog's bed. So um, I was alive, but I was having trouble. You know what I mean? So uh, this guy lived in this nice building, so I went down to his uh, like lobby. They had a little common area where they had a TV and they had Wi-Fi. So I got my laptop and shit, and it's Sunday, and I'm watching fucking NFL and shit because I'm a big Bears fan. Fuck the Vikings, for real. I'm gonna say that. Fuck the Vikings. I don't fuck. Nobody gives a fuck about Serious though. We can have that conversation too. But watching NFL football, I got my laptop, got my Wi-Fi, and I'm sitting there chilling, and then I start to feel funny, and I get high all over again from last night's week. So that's tight. No, it's not tight. It's not tight. It's not, it's not okay to be high when you didn't do anything that would make you expect to be high. This was the next morning. It was not okay. I mean, I feel like... Fuck weed, so... If you bought, if you, let's say you bought a car, right? And then it broke down. And then the next day you came back out and it was working again. No. That'd be tight. This is more like if it was broke down and I got it fixed and then it broke down again. I, want, I wanted to be okay, you know what I mean? And instead, I was high around a bunch of football-loving strangers. Bad news. There was Wi-Fi though. Like there was. There was Wi-Fi. Hey, Jeff, ask him a serious question. <laughs> okay. So, Minneapolis. We're here. Um, what was the hip-hop scene like when you were growing up? Were there, I mean, obviously there was Ron Sayers. Were there any other? There was a million crews, a million. I feel like everybody did everything. I think before I got into rap music, I was, I didn't, I, I spent my later teen years being real anti whatever was on the radio and just like only listening to local music and going to basement shows and house shows and I was underage so I could, you know, there was a huge scene for punk rock shows in people's houses, hardcore shows. and. I just didn't, I was, I was so immersed in that scene that when I, I met a dude, Alexi Crescent Moon from Odd Jobs and all types of amazing, amazing, one of my favorite rappers ever, but he gave me a tape that had like all the underground rap ever on it, like one or two Aesop Rock songs from like Appleseed and stuff like that. And all of it, and then the other side was one of the first Prime Stairs headshot stage. It, it clicked in my head that rap was something that you could actually make here. 
You know, I, I just it just never even occurred to me that you could make independent hip hop music. I was so I knew that punk rock bands put out seven inches and records and tapes all the time, but the idea of it not coming from New York or LA or Dr. Dre just did not make any sense to me. So I hear rap songs with Minneapolis in the lyrics and knowing that they made it on four tracks blew my entire mind apart. And I got to start going to shows and seeing what it was like. And the city was a big battle city before I started rapping seriously. So I would go to battles and watch these people and get intimidated. And there was a handful of people that knew I rapped. And like like Big Zach from Cancer would always be like, what are you gonna rap? What are you gonna rap? You rapped around me, what are you gonna rap? You know, and he'd like be on stage and be like, come here, come rap. And I'd be like, because I felt like somebody was gonna like be like, fuck that kid, you wanna battle? And no, I do not wanna battle. Like, I feel like I'm a decent rapper and I can rap, but the whole point of rapping is being quick and cracking jokes on people, which I was just never good at, you know? Like, every once in a while I'll have one and it'll be cool, but like, <laughs> not bar after bar like, forever. So I. That's a totally useless talent, by the way. So I mean, it's okay. <laughs> I know, I know it usually, it, 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 to me anyway, at the time, it didn't seem to make for good songwriters, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? So, uh, watching the scene full of rappers, really excellent. I mean, we had like the whole spectrum where Idea was on one side, winning every battle in the world. There was all the dudes who were just like, true as fuck about my backpack and my hood and whatever. And then Wait, was, is that the hoodie or like their hood? Like their gang signs? Their hood. There's like, I mean, there's not so many gang signs, but punch you in the face, you know? Yeah. And then the super emotional early atmosphere stuff, that whole spectrum was, was really related to yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. I really love that shit. Of course, and I, I did too. Like, that's, that's the stuff I originally felt for, is hearing um, through rhyme singers getting into all the other stuff that they listened to. And I uh, got, got really into company flow. Um, because he was LP was on an atmosphere track, yeah, yeah. big huge scene for music. But I didn't get to actually like kick into the scene until uh, I mean I didn't want to battle and I didn't know anybody, so I just booked shows with punk bands and hardcore bands and Doomtree. We all kind of like built up away from the scene mm -hmm. until we had a chance to like until our crowds were big enough to where we could start asking rappers to our shows, and then they turned into rap shows. That's tight. Yeah, man, motherfuckers move from all over the country to come here to be rappers, and they shouldn't, but they do all the time. <laughs> you know why, though? It's because people who live here actually support people who rap here. That shit don't, that, that doesn't happen everywhere. It you know, doesn't. That's why people leave and come here. It doesn't really happen here either. They'll support you if you work, they'll support you if you have really good shit, and they'll support you if you're like fucking out there doing it. But, you know, if, if every third person is a rapper, that makes every rapper have to be just a little better than they thought they would have to be. I mean, you know, I, I live in LA and I'm not from there, but I, you know, the difference there is a lot of times you have to be validated by somewhere else before LA people fuck yeah. with you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, that's, like, that's the difference. And like on the internet, like the TV guys at Kendrick and Schoolboy yeah, yeah. and all them, and nobody was really like listening to them until they got love on the internet. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and even you guys, I think with Hellfire, like until you guys got good reviews on the internet. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, everyone kind of. And they still kind of don't fuck with us, low key. Like, it's like, <laughs> it's like they're scared of us, but they're not fucking with us. They're like, they're like, 
yeah, like, I, hey, what's up, man? Like, I don't like your music, but I never tell you that to your face because, because you know, you're cool, because you're popping. You exactly. Get that, man, you get that vibe out there, but it's better than Chicago, man. Chicago hates everything. <laughs> what is up? What is up? What is up? You have so many dope rappers. And it's, so crazy many dope crap the barrel. it's crazy crap like, in the barrel in Chicago. Yeah, as soon as somebody sees somebody coming up and I'm like, what's up, let's build, they're like, fuck that dude. <laughs> you know? I mean, honestly, people have been asking me a lot how I feel about uh, Chief Keef on one side, how I feel about Chance on the other side. And I'm like, I'm just happy that there's people getting on in Chicago that don't have to leave to get on in Chicago. That's never happened. Yeah, but they before. both did leave, though. I mean, they left after. Yeah. What do you mean? Yeah, like, they went on tour? Chief Keef I mean, was like, like, like I, I almost got sent to do an interview with Chief Keef in Orange County Rehab Center, which would have been the best reality show ever. Right. It's like Chief Keef on Laguna Beach. <laughs> but I mean, the, the, this is my boyfriend. <laughs> the difference before, though, is that like Kanye and Common and them, they had to leave before they got on. You know what I mean? And, and what that means that there's people who are stars now, yeah, they can get money and leave after or whatever, but that means that there's some business, some music business in Chicago now that has never been there, you know what I mean? Which is important to a scene, that you have, you know, somebody able to make a platform so that when you do create something good, people can hear it. My kid, like, only listens to Chicago rap now. Yeah, it's weird. I've never even heard of anybody who only listens to Chicago rap, except for people from Chicago, and they only listen to their friends. <laughs> Fuck those other dudes. Yeah. Except for I mean, it's not, it is. Here, here, all kinds of rappers hate each other. But we're in Minnesota, you know what I'm saying? The whole vibe here is like, yeah, how you doing? Yeah. Every, everybody can come, you know? And that's, that's a good vibe, that's a good vibe, but it doesn't necessarily make for honesty when talking to all of your friends because all of your friends, you know, your friends that you see in passing, everybody raps. And some of them are really fucking good. And some of them should stop rapping, you know what I'm saying? But you don't want to be like, stop rapping, homie. You know, that's like the Go best tour you can have. I know, I know. But I feel like we're leaving Dame out with all this rapidy rap 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 talk. No, but I want to ask. I like like were you Dame? Like I, I hope I never asked this before. But um, you had you on the podcast like twenty times, so this is twenty two, and I probably would ask this before. But um, at least for these people, this would be a new thing. But like you basically before uh, or in LA and in music, funk was kind of not a thing. It was it was it was like a, like a dead, dead art or whatnot, and uh, I, I kind of I've always given you credit as being the one guy to revive that. So how was it playing, you know, playing funk records and like opening up a funk night and doing all this stuff? Like how how long did it take to build that up? You know? Well, it took um, about not too long. What happened was like around two thousand six. Mm -hmm. um, I had just decided to start this club in LA. Uh, with a friend of mine named Billy Goods. We were in a record store together, as we all used to Which go to a record, record store. Um, it was Record Surplus. Okay. Yeah, it's on the west side. And, um, and we just looked for records, and he was doing like a James Brown type of vibe night. And then he saw me looking through records, and it was a D-Train record I, I picked up on Prelude Records. And uh, um, he was like, I want to play that kind of stuff. And he was like, you know, Wow, you like this even during that time with the Aaron's records and all those record stores in LA. Yeah. It was like a lot of people were looking for breaks and uh, just breaks to trying to emulate Tribe Called Quest and what they were actually sampling and then get those records for years, stuff like that. But um, some of us were still riding around and like, you know, Zap and P Funk and yeah. Slave and you know, One Way and those type of groups. Just, just in the backdrop when we were 
listen to hip hop at the same time. They also all the whole nigga tongues thing, even the West Coast stuff. But we still kept the funk in the car. So um, around 2006, um, we decided to you know the carbon in the neighborhood. Yeah. Uh, start this night and and and, um, and we had some fun and then the, the owners of the club wanted to um, switch that Thursday night into more of like a, a more popular P Diddy type of hip hop night. Yeah, yeah, that, that night's cracking in a different way. Yeah, yeah, it's a different way. <laughs> you know, but more jiggy type vibe, like you know, and um, and so then he said, you know what, um, uh, I have a offer. I was working at Office Max. Yeah, yeah. Um, driving trucks. Office Max, even though one in Culver City. City. In Culver City. Yep, yeah. yep. And I, uh, I was working at Office Max, and I was delivering stuff, and I just had happened to be right past uh, Carbon and Club. And the owner ran out and said, man, I got this Monday night open. I was like, Monday night? That's a death nail night, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, well, you know what? You gotta start somewhere. So, you know, I, I, I um, accepted the offer. And I started that night, like in 2006, by myself on a Monday. Invited a few people down, the whole room was there. Lights are all bright and shit. I was like, turn the damn lights down. And so we finally got the party started and just did it the whole night. People started coming in and, and I did it weekly by weekly playing rare tracks, not like... Was this all vinyl back then? All vinyl, yeah, no surround. What what year was this again? It was 2006. And and so we started doing it and um, people started coming and I started making CDs. It's interesting the way we're talking about hip hop as well because I use the same aesthetic that hip hop uses for the new funk and boogie style that's going on right now, that's bubbling. And um, I would make CDs each night, each week I would sit at my desk and cut out the, the covers and, you know, type up on the little printer and the, each rare track on there and I would just give them away for free. I wouldn't sell them because it's other people's music. But, um, and I just gave them out 10 every night. And so those CDs started getting around LA. And uh, and people were like, tell me on MySpace days, like, you know, hey man, I, 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 I heard that track in the CD. And, you know, so the MySpace thing was popping around that time. And then, uh, and then eventually it just snowballed into this night that we did. And, that had people coming on a Monday night. And um, and then it would have like hip hop cats come too because they love the stuff because of the stuff that, that was being sampled when we were playing the original material. And um, so it was that connection there. And uh, so then cats like Peanut Butter Wolf or Stone So Records, he would come and like check it out. And you know, um, he had a big collection because as you know, a lot of diggers dig a lot of styles of music, you know, not like jazz, soul, funk as well. So he started coming through and playing, and I got KCRW, this this uh, uh, college radio station that uh, was out, uh, I mean, it's still out now, and they sponsored Peanut Butter Wolf being there one night. So it just really bought a lot of people. My whole point in the story, man, is that um, if you just try to create something of your own, and then that's when things will happen, instead of following, like, why is anything happening for me? You know, like, you gotta just, like, and, and it's, it's like a 50-50 thing, it's like the Luke Skywalker shit, it's like, you can't actually think, like, of it all the way, you have to, like, kind of, like, not know what you're doing and be naive at the same time and then know what you're doing a little bit. Yeah. So then later on, you look back and say, damn, I did that shit, you know, if I would've thought about it, I would've probably stopped, but sometimes they say, and I always tell people this, and I'll end with this, it's like, um, sometimes it's not good to stop and smell the roses. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You gotta just keep going. Then you go look back and like, oh wow. So here we are in 
now in LA, we have like a, a, a boogie and funk scene along with all the other styles in LA, and um, and it's just a pleasure to you know be traveling in places like Minneapolis, you know, and and and, and what I really like is being a part of like um, hip hop as well. Like yeah. I, I grew up on that. It's like I'm a little older than the cats on stage. It's like. You don't look any older than any of us. Thank you. I can say myself timeless. You know. <laughs> <laughs> if anybody asks you your age, just say I'm timeless. <laughs> anyway, um, you well, know, I know um, this is like a general theme between you, both of you guys' stories. It's like, oh, we just did our own shit, and then it started popping. You know what I'm saying? Because you know, you instead of like being going to call people faggot over and over on stage, you decided to go to a, the punk rock shows and start doing, you know. Doing, doing your thing. Mike, can you, do you have anything that's kind of along those lines? I mean, all, all I'm hearing in that, and, and it's something I hear in terms of a lot of independent artists, no matter what genre, it could be uh, musicians, it could be stand-up comics, it could be whatever. It's like, you have to kind of go with your individual passion and your aesthetic, because if you stop and be logical, logic will tell you to stop every time. You know what I mean? Logic will tell you this is not worth enough money, it's not worth my time, it's not this, it's not that, but like... Logic passion. sounds like my grandmother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you have all these options and shit. <laughs> my, my mom told me right off the bat when I first played her a song I wrote when I was probably in seventh grade, she was like, you're pretty good at that, you should do that. Don't get a job. What? Yeah, my mom, my mom has been like that since I was Little, like way little. She you need to clone your mom. She was, she was, she was a painter. Okay. And like went to art school and did all that stuff. And then you know life all happened. And then she worked in an office for like forever. And so just, wait, wait, just, wait. Are you trying to say like you were born? And then probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was a combination of stuff because she was still in art school when I was born, and she did a lot of cool shit. But you know, she like right away from jump, she was like. That looks like you're having fun. You should do that. The last thing you want to do is spend all your time not enjoying yourself. And that's what I have to, That's what I do. You know, and just in the last year, this is something I'm super proud of. Not the last year. Well, yeah, the last year, the end of last year, she quit working her day job. Her only job is her side job working for the Doom Tree web store. That's hard. So, so that's that's like that's like my underground rapper in the bottom of my house. <laughs> Dude, I just feel like that moment right there, like, we can chop this shit up and make one of those late night infomercials out of this, like, follow your passion, we'll teach you how to follow your passion. You can have your mom working at the Doomtree Web Store. <laughs> Honestly, you need your moms to work at the Doomtree Web Store. Just, just I, might, I might ask my mom if she can work at hey, the Hey, my mom needs some food. She needs money, bro. I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> Hellfire Web Store. Work, work on that, y'all. Did you, uh... uh <laughs> Did you ever have a day job? What was your worst day job that you ever had? I had a bunch of day jobs, but I can honestly say that I've never had a job that I didn't quit to play a show. So when I was when I was 14, I quit my job at Dairy Queen to play a show on uh, the 4th of July. When they I wanted was, you to work on the 4th of July? Yeah, they wanted me to. All the rest of the guys in my band also worked at Dairy Queen. They got the day off. I forgot because why would I be thinking about my job if I'm not there? Yeah. And then I, I was like, oh shit, we have a show. I have to go. So I was 14. I quit a job at D'Amico and Sons. I quit a job at uh, another coffee shop. I quit another job dishwashing at a different D'Amico and Sons. 
You ever throw down an apron when you quit? Like, you ever, like, really go out like hard? Nah, I mean, but you. Nah, but the last serious job I had was I was a men's room attendant at a strip club downtown. I wore, like, a... That's not a serious job. No, no, That was, like... Are you the dude that gives people the fucking Purell? Yeah, yeah. Not the Purell. My job was to put on, like, a half-assed suit. I weighed, like, 50 pounds more and had the worst dreadlocks ever. So I, like, hid my hair and went in the bathroom and opened up, like you go underneath this thing, pull out a big old trunk that's owned by this old pimp named George, and I gotta throw in that's a- That's who's driving that fucking limo that does. Open it up, it's full of, man, this job, this guy was like 70. His other side job was driving around town in a blue Rolls Royce with some club's name on the back. He, he made money so doing that. Anyway. You open up the trunk and it's full of cologne and cigarettes and cigars and gum and fucking condoms. Yeah. And you set it all up and then. Here's the question though: Is prostitution legal here? Why is it condoms? Well, because they. I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. Honestly, and I was young then. Like that was. Uh, I, I quit in 2004. How old were you? Huh? How old were you? I uh, must have been like right around 20. Oh, okay, that's not that. Yeah. Um. And you just lay it out. Dudes come in. And when they're done pissing or whatever, you're like, you want some gum? Would you like a cigar? And they're like, no. And then put a dollar in their thing, take a piece of gum anywhere, whatever. Yeah. Worst job ever. Paid really well. I quit it to go on tour. And then I never got another job. So That's tight. You, know. you ever try to play your music in there? I wrote my first album in there. Really? Nice. I wrote Ipecacne in the bathroom of a strip club. That's for so sure. Great. Those the long day shifts where nobody goes to strip clubs. <laughs> no good. No one but the people that were recently divorced. Yeah. That's well, actually, true. there was a handful of people that treat at least that strip club, probably every strip club, like their daily bar. Yeah. They go there and they don't get dances or even look at girls. They just sit at the bar. And pay it way too much. Life enough, you do find a bar that you just need to go to. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> And occasionally that bar has glitter everywhere. You know what I mean? That's just... The thing is though, why would you go to a bar where all the prices are inflated to what's called strip club prices? Well, I imagine those guys go there for titties, is what I imagine. <laughs> is the thing that puts it over for them, even though the, let's compensate for the prices, I guess. We should pick a new subject. <laughs> Change the subject real quick. <laughs> Uh, you, you started Duke Train in 03? 2001 is the first thing that came out that had Doom for written on it. 2000, we probably were saying it around. So you guys all started independent rap labels probably the worst time to start independent rap labels. I, I, would, I would say yes, but I think that we caught the tail end of it okay. to where, you know, like my first four records came out and people had to, had to like, you know, they came out not as free versions, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Like, nowadays it seems like, I don't even know, people ask me for advice five years ago, I'd be like, well, this is what you do, you know? Nowadays I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got some songs? I guess you just put out a hundred million songs every week. Just do that, because that's, right? You gotta, go to a, tell me. you gotta go to a 13 year old girl for advice. It's true. You be like, so how do you find your music? Well, this is like email that I put in, and then they you know, just stuff randomly. And there's this new rapper, his name is Lil Squeeze Dry. He's my favorite dude ever. You should do something with Lil Squeeze Dry. You saw Lil Squeeze Dry, you should have popped. That's all. Yeah. Nah, man, it's, 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 it's you gotta put out a million songs for free. 
weekly, and you gotta take like 45 pictures of yourself in different outfits every day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you gotta just be I can't fuck with the selfie thing, man. I can't I'm not either, really man. good at the selfie. It's true, it's true, because I know just as like a consumer of social media, I flip through Instagram, and just the people I follow, I'm like, dude, this guy's blowing up. He's not blowing up, I just look at him like 40 times a day. But you're blowing up. You like that shit, you don't like it, you like it? Whether I like it or not, I see these people, and I just, my perception of who they are and where they're standing in the world is inflated because I see them so much. Yeah. So I know that if I took selfies and put them out there all the time, motherfuckers would be thinking about me more than they need yeah. to. And that's just weird as fuck. I feel like it's like, see a famous person and you're like, get a photo. Yeah. Because you know what? You say that though, because I, I did a record with this cat named Snoop Dogg. It's called Snoop Dogg. Yeah, of course. Who? Snoop Dogg. Yeah. And I I just had this discussion with someone exactly what you guys are talking about. And it's like he has taken the social network thing and, and put it in the palm of his hand and just mashed with it. And it's like some people might have a problem with it, but the thing is, is that. He's in front of you every fucking minute. And it's like, it's genius in a way because it's like, he'll just like, just take a picture of himself and just sit there. And just, that's it, there's no caption, no nothing. And it's like, but of course, a lot of us intellectuals and, and whatever you want to call us would think that it's like horrible, but it's like, when you really think about it, this is the new age. And it's like, he's in your face. Mm -hmm. And I it's mean, like, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's real good for him, especially because he's already a celebrity, and in this, this is the chance he gets to control his own celebrity. Yeah, you know, never had that This is his exactly. dude who yeah. came out at 19, you know what I'm saying? Right. He was 19, yeah. he was on trial for murder, you guys, and now he's America's uncle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, it's, it's crazy to think how terrifying. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, like, stupid. was so scary he, he was, years ago. He was like, terrifying. And now motherfucking he's... parents. Yeah. This oh man, parent, I remember parents when I was listening to Doggy Style, just like there were parents just being scared as fuck. Yeah. And now parents are like, I smoke a joint with Snoop Dogg, <laughs> and they would. Yeah. I'm gonna tell you one quick story um, related to that, like, and it's interesting because it's very important for a lot of musicians out here and our people are, are aspiring to do what they're doing, especially with this whole social media thing. Um, Snoop, we did a show um, for uh, the cat named, um, he, his name is Conan, yeah, Conan O'Brien. Okay, oh, Conan O'Brien. Sorry, I didn't mean to say it like that, but yeah, <laughs> I can't remember. I don't, yeah, anyway. I so, love the Conan. Yeah, so Conan, he's fun. I love him, yeah. He's a great guy, great hair. Um, Conan O'Brien. So, Check it out. So we were there, we were doing a rehearsal, and like, um, and now you know the uncle that he's turned into. It's like, this is the trick. It's just a way that you perceive yourself on social media. Snoop is still a gangster. I mean, we were doing this thing with this, uh, at this, at, at Conan's show, and we started, and he was acting weird, not moving fast enough. And Snoop was like, look, motherfucker, I just got back from the White House. Y'all better try to treat me the way I'm supposed to be treated. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, the realest shit anyone's ever said. I just, I, just, I just left the White House and fuck y'all playing with. Get to work. I was like, damn. Like, this is like the whole staff of like Conan O'Brien's show. He just banged on the whole staff of a TV show. Banged on it. He was not playing. And it's like, 
that is what I like because it's just in conjunction with the way you get down on the social media. Yeah, be cool, be the nice guy, but you don't have to, you can still be yourself as well in real, it's all real life, but what you're trying to do is influence and motivate people to, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Keep yourself out there. There you go, keep yourself out there, but also, one quick suggestion, I'm not gonna go long on this because I know we definitely change the subjects, but just for the musicians and artists out there that's on this stuff like we all are we it's the future we know it's here find a rhythm you know in this whole social network thing you know it's media thing it's like just don't be randomly acting like a fucking clown you know find a rhythm that's cool that to yourself is true to yourself and that's what i do you know i'm not just letting you know i, I i'm just myself and definitely stop the selfie shit. good idea you know, no, no, don't fucking take any advice from me, bro. Stop it. <laughs> well, I just don't have time to take selfies, you know what I'm saying? But I do have pictures of myself on there, but the point is, is that uh, other people do it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's just to let people know since the MySpace days, because if I was to change this and start trying to act Mr. Mysterious, then it'll lose the people who I've been with ever since MySpace. They'll be like, what the fuck is wrong with Dan? He being like, Mr. Serious Guy now, you know what I'm saying? Or like being mysterious, not coming out, or only cats like Madlib can do that. You know what yeah. I'm saying? You know, he's reserved for that. He doesn't need to do all that. It's not a need. He's like that in real life. Like his brother's like, I don't, yeah. know, I don't see him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He doesn't, <laughs> Madlib doesn't have a computer. Don't be fooled. He, he does, no, that's he not does. him posting that up there. No. No yeah, you know what I'm saying? No email, no nothing. So, but it's just a choice. I just have a connection with the people from back then that I'm not going to try to be Mr. Mysterious. Guys, just only talk about my album coming out next week. I like to talk about things that I'm going through to share with y'all, to share with other, to share with other musicians that might like. I don't know what he's talking about on that shit. Or people who are trying to come up in the music game and I'm just letting them know about certain little things like watch out for this, check this out, music, music is a very heavy thing. But my point is just find a rhythm, y'all. I mean, but I think that comes with knowing who you are. And as yeah. an artist and the person, you know who yeah. you are, the yeah. same, which, you know what I mean? Like that's the team to be the important thing. Once you know who you are, it'll dictate how you interact with social media because you'll know what part of you can be your public persona, you know what I mean? And what part of you you have to keep to yourself. Exactly. There is something that you want to keep to yourself and that's your personal business and you know I've I but I've I've in I've been a victim of that. <laughs> we all have. You know what I'm saying? We're not gonna go long, but it's like we all have it. You you go through something with somebody and you kinda wanna let them like, you know, you're talking to that person but ten million people are looking and you know this subliminal shit. So but you have to like it, it's we're all maturing right now in yeah. this whole social media experience that's what i'm trying to say so just roll with it find a rhythm but still be yourself and try to be true to yourself not fake and that's what i try to do you know what my best advice for social media is uh it's report as spam <laughs> as soon as you do anything that rubs me the wrong way i will report you as spam i will dm my friends to report you as spam I will get you shut the fuck down. I love doing that. It's my favorite thing to do. Yeah, it, nothing can show. anger a troll more than spam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gone. Alright, alright. Yeah. What's up? This dude's right. Twitter. Your Twitter. Yeah. That's one of the. You're an inspiring dude. That's one well, of the reasons why well, I want to get you out here. That is the other thing. Like, he's the only person that has figured out social media. He can tweet like 20 times a day and every time he's <laughs> true. For real, man. Where, if I tweet 20 times a day, he'd be like, unfollow. <laughs> like, you're in a well, I, I try, I try, I try to share music and try to share, 
things that we've gone through, and that's all. And I, I just, I love looking at other people's stuff too. My thing I, with Twitter is about the timeline. It's not about the actual minute by minute. It's about, I'm creating a timeline so that, you know, you can go and check it out one night. And like, let me read through this motherfucker's timeline. You know what I'm saying? And then get, get it from there. It's not about that moment. You know what I'm saying? So that's all. I wanted to talk about because we're kind of here, obviously, for you created basically a festival tomorrow. One day festival. And, uh, Jake, where is Jake at? Donde está Jake? He's right there. Thanks. Ah, Jake. Jake. Shout out to you guys. You have to put your arms up here. Let's see. Okay. Doing, uh, I don't know what that dance is called. I'm going to call it the Danny Brown. He's, uh, he's over there. Oh, okay. You say it's the Beyonce? Not everything's Beyonce, Lizzo. Baby R! Baby arms? Baby arms? I'm gonna just pretend you said Beyonce. Yeah, me and this dude, I was like, I wanna throw a show for my birthday because fuck, I haven't been able to play shows in forever. I've been, you know, all through this health stuff, I'm sure everybody's heard way too much about. I'm feeling good, I wanna play a show, right? And he's like, cool, so what do you wanna do for a show? I was like, all right, I wanna, thanks. I was like, I wanna do like a cool, cool show. He's like, Outdoor festival? I'm like, no, let's just do a show. He's like, okay, so we're doing a festival then? I'm like, no, it's just gonna be like a show in a club. He's like, cool, we're gonna do it on the corner of this street. It's gonna be outside. Who should we be, who should we bring to? And then we just sat and we brainstormed outside of Kowalski's for like 25 minutes. And the next day he's like, I pulled the permits on that outdoor festival we're throwing. Whoa. <laughs> I've never, I, I've never met a young dude that was, uh, as motivated and actually good at it. So I don't think I would be able to do anything like this if it wasn't We shot back and forth a list of like the ideal people to be at the show. You know, I wanted to have the weirdest black people I could find. You know what I'm saying? Just because I like, I like different examples of black folks out in the world and I've never actually done a show like that. There's like four, only four on TV. I know. Strong black woman. Crying black woman. Young black criminal. Old black white man. It's true. It's true. But yeah, you know, there's a lot more examples of different styles of black people. I'm sorry. I'm just saying, there's a lot more different styles of black people in the media than there was when I was growing up, you know, I've said this before, but uh, when I was in high school, nobody had any frame of reference to put me in until Pharrell came out, and then all of a sudden, yeah. the, the next year, I was cool, yeah. you know what I'm saying, everybody's like, oh, I get you, you know, yeah. but, but then you got bitches after that, right, because <laughs> that's what happens, they don't fucking get you, because you're weird, and then the next year, I'm sorry for using the word bitches, it's a, it's like just looking up at this, I'm sorry for saying bitches. But I don't mean it like that. I mean like, is it the disease and I like you go to the doctor and the doctor says, I'm sorry son, but you have bitches. Like, it's just something that happens when you attract them. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there's, there's, there's all these new examples and if it was going to be my show and I could pick the bill, I wanted to pick just out there people, styles, it just not everybody on the list was black artists. It just kind of rolled up that most of the bill that actually could do it, that we wanted to do it, worked out that way. But the, the bill is super diverse. It's all people that I either wanted to see 
really respect and like care about my dude Mike Eagle and Bus Driver. These are like some, some of my favorite out of towners. And this dude, to close the whole thing out to like, after my work is done, I get to go to First Ave and just dance buddy. You know what I'm saying? So, I should be a part. this is going to be the, the best kind of welcome back to playing shows I could have. And that's really the point of the show. And the name, the fucking best show ever, that's not even what it was called. He was just like, what should we call it? I was like, I don't know, the fucking best show ever. He's like, cool. And no joke, the next day, He's like, it's called the fucking best show ever. It's on this corner. We pulled the permits. We got this stuff. And then every three days since that, two months ago, he's like, what if we add this? And I'm like, yo. Jake's got yo. cocaine motivation, and like, but he will not follow He's just like, the cocaine excitement was in the fucking the Adderall gets it done, baby. <laughs> and I don't know if I've met another dude that doesn't, that just is eyes on the sharp, sharp prize there. It's good, but uh, I don't even know what I'm saying. Good. Stop the motherfucking bike. Let's go. We're done, nigga. Let's go. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. Are there any questions? We we uh. Questions. Yeah, questions. Anyone have any questions to ask? Anyone? You, young man. Me and Mike were talking about that dude earlier. Yeah, talk he's releasing a hundred videos on YouTube on Tuesday. Yeah, he's doing a hundred on Tuesday. Right. Oh, wait. No. Little P, look up Jovan Green on Tuesday. He'll have a hundred new videos for you. Right? Is that right? It is. Fuck with it. Any more questions? Yes, sir. Where did my hatred of Fresca come from? This is this is real as fuck. Hatred of what? Fresca. You ever the, had the that? beverage? Yeah, the beverage. I love that shit. Like Aquas Frescas? That's no, 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 no. no. Like it's like a diet lemon lime soda. Like Aquas Frescas? No, no, Fresca, no, 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 no. Fresca only comes in diet yeah. grapefruit. Yeah. That shit it's is like a sport. A sport. No, 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 no. A sport is good. A sport, a sport is, is good? A sport is fucking good. Whoa, 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 whoa. The Fresca sport is good. Fresca's evil. Sport is good. If, if Fresca's evil. Hey, yes. if, if you want to have a diet squirt, that's cool. But you can have the choice of having a normal squirt. Check this out. Right? What if squirt only came in diet? Then you'd hate it. It'd be Fresca. It's still called squirt. So fix <laughs> that. My shit is called Fresca. Why would you make it diet? Fuck with me on the name. Diet grapefruit. Only diet. What only grapefruits are healthy as fuck? That's what only good. comes in diet? Kale. Kale. Sure, but that's, that's from nature. Leave me alone, Phil. Alright, cool. Yeah, so I think we're... Thank you for starting the fight. I think we're tapering off here. Thank you guys for coming to sit down and listen to us talk shit. Please make some noise for Mike Eagle. Hank Funk, P.O.S., Jeff Weiss, and my name is Bo Canfield. Yeah. Sounds fun. Oh shit. Oh, it's going down. It's going down. It's time to turn it up. Or turn it sideways.